Sometimes getting rid of inflammatory people is as helpful as getting rid of inflammatory foods. Learn about Hashimoto's thyroiditis and adrenal transformation protocol from Dr. Isabel Wentz next. So the big question is, how do women over 40 like us keep weight off, have great energy, balance our hormones and our moods, feel sexy and confident and master midlife? If you're like most of us, you're not getting the answers you need and remain confused and pretty hopeless to ever feel like yourself again. As an OBGYN, I had to discover for myself the truth about what creates a rock solid metabolism, lasting weight loss and supercharged energy after 40 in order to lose 100 pounds and fix my fatigue. Now I'm on a mission. This podcast is designed to share the natural tools you need for impactful results and to give you clarity on the answers to your midlife metabolism challenges. Join me for tangible natural strategies to crush the hormone imbalances you're facing and help you get unstuck from the sidelines of life. My name is Dr. Kieran Dunstan. Welcome to the Hormone Prescription Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Hormone Prescription. Thank you so much for joining me today. My guest today is Dr. Isabella Wentz. Some of you know her already and love her as much as I do. I love that quote that she shared with me. We talk about how to transform some of the stressors in your life so that they don't actually stress you during this episode because that affects your adrenals and your cortisol and your Hashimoto's if you have it. And we talk about so many other things. One of the things I really love about this episode is that she shares her two journeys with adrenal fatigue. I talk about mine. So you're going to have many examples. We talk about our journeys from traditional medical theology, which we both come from. She's a pharmacist. I'm an MD. And our journey to accepting and embracing a root cause resolution, what does that look like? We'll help you identify if you could have adrenal fatigue and what to do about it, some simple strategies. So I think you're really going to like this episode. You're going to get a lot out of it. I love Dr. Isabella because She's really down to earth and relatable, and especially in her new iteration. I knew her many years ago before she published, or was right after she published her best New York Times bestselling book. And she was so like type A go getter. And I remember her talking about her adrenals blowing out at that time, but she just kept going, just kept going. She was very ambitious and hard driving. And now she's a mom. She has a five-year-old and she's just gotten so zen and low key after her second bout with adrenal fatigue. And I think it's a great, she's a great example for all of us because she's still writing books and teaching and helping patients and how she's showing up is different in her life. And so it doesn't have to be a huge drastic change for you to heal yourself. And I really want you to see that and feel that when you hear her talk about it. So I'll tell you a little bit about her and then we'll get started. Dr. Isabella Wentz is a compassionate, innovative, solution-focused, integrative pharmacist dedicated to finding the root causes of chronic health conditions. Her passion stems from her own diagnosis with Hashimoto's thyroiditis in 2009, following a decade of debilitating symptoms. So if you've been suffering a long time, there is hope. As an accomplished author, Dr. Wentz has written several best-selling books, including the New York Times bestseller, Hashimoto's Thyroiditis, Life 
lifestyle interventions for finding and treating the root cause. The protocol-based number one New York Times bestseller, Hashimoto's Protocol, a 90-day plan for reversing thyroid symptoms and getting your life back. And the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Hashimoto's Food Pharmacology, nutrition protocols and healing recipes to take charge of your thyroid health. Her latest book, Adrenal Transformation Protocol, was released on April 18, 2023, and it focuses on resetting the body's stress response through targeted safety signals and features a four-week program that has already helped over 3,500 individuals. The program has an impressive success rate with over 80% of participants improving their brain fog, fatigue, anxiety, irritability, sleep issues, and libido Please help me welcome Dr. Isabella Wentz to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about your new book on the adrenals, the adrenal transformation protocol, about the Hashimoto's protocol, and so much to talk about with root cause resolution medicine. But I know everyone would be really interested to hear how you became so passionate about helping people heal from a root cause approach. Really my focus and passion, I feel started with my own health. During pharmacy school, I was never that passionate about thyroid issues, right? I thought it was a very simple solution. Somebody had a thyroid condition, you just give them thyroid medicine. And I thought that every person should be just fine taking thyroid hormone. It wasn't until I was diagnosed myself with Hashimoto's in my 20s when I realized that while medications can play an important role in healing, that they don't always get to the root cause and then they can leave people still many symptoms. And that was the case with me. I had chronic fatigue, pain, carpal tunnel, acid reflux, irritable bowel syndrome. I had this really long list of symptoms that I could go on for hours talking about my losing my hair and just feeling anxious and feeling like I was losing my own identity because I was constantly unwell, where I got on the thyroid meds and I was so excited at first being a pharmacist that they were going to help me. They were going to make a big difference. And they made a little bit of a difference. I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to take the meds, of course, and they did help a little bit, but I was still struggling with majority of my symptoms. I would say 90% of my symptoms were still there. And so that's how I really became passionate is trying to figure out what was going on in my own body that led me to develop this thyroid condition. Is there anything I can do about it to perhaps lessen the attack on my thyroid gland and to lower all of that inflammation in my body to lower some of those symptoms? And thankfully, I was able to do so over a decade ago. I was able to get Hashimoto's into remission. And from that point on, I decided to write about my experience and share what I had done with others with the hope that they too would be able to take charge of their own health. And and it's been just amazing to watch people over the last decade since my first book came out, Hashimoto's The Root Cause, that have been able to get rid of their symptoms start new careers, have babies, and do all these things thanks to just taking charge of their own health like I did. Yeah, I think, you know, I hear you saying all those symptoms and I call midlife metabolic mayhem the 60 plus symptoms women get from what I call hormonal poverty at midlife, but it can happen way sooner. And I think your new book on adrenals 
really highlights that it can happen anytime in your life. And adrenal dysfunction is part of Hashimoto's. You've got to have some degree of adrenal dysfunction to have an autoimmune disorder and to have it so young. What happened for me in my 40s, where I just, I had this laundry list of symptoms and I'm wondering what is wrong with me? And same thing like you, well, I was in mainstream medicine at the time. So you, you were in pharmacology. I thought, I can't sleep. I just need a sleeping pill. Oh, I don't feel like myself. I must be depressed. I'll take, I need an antidepressant. I had irritable bowel and gastritis and my hair was falling out and just all these things. So I really relate to, to what you shared. And I know that some women listening can relate too. And it's not, it doesn't just happen at midlife. It can happen really anytime. <laughs> and I think it's really interesting that you were in pharmacology school at the time. Is that right? I had been a practicing pharmacist when I was oh. diagnosed, but I had my symptoms actually started in my undergrad studies. And then every year I felt like I got new symptoms. So mm -hmm. I think it was during my first year of pharmacy school that I developed irritable bowel syndrome. And I remember sitting in lectures where I would just have to leave and run away, right? Run out of my classroom to go to the bathroom. And I didn't realize this was a symptom of food sensitivity at the time. And I'm wondering how easy or hard it was for you to find the root cause and to accept that was the truth. Because I know I was completely brainwashed by my med school and my residency and my training to believe in a certain paradigm of medicine, of drugs and surgery. And so it took me a very long time to actually accept that there could be something else that I didn't know about that could help me. And then when I found it, I really was skeptical and didn't believe it. And I said, I don't know because I'm supposed to know more about women's health than anyone else. So I'm going to try it on myself first. And of course, then it worked and I became a believer and now it's transformed everything. But what was that journey like for you? Because I think it's the journey that people listening have to go on to jump outside the paradigm of what they've been conditioned to believe their whole lives about healthcare. Oh my, you're so right. It was such a process and I feel like it's still a process 10 years later where I still have to unlearn things that I learned back then. But yeah, I remember I was drinking like six to eight cups of caffeine a day and putting all the sugar in my tea. And my brother, who's an engineer, came over and he's like, why are you drinking all that caffeine? Why are you having all that sugar? That's not healthy for you. And I'm like, you're an engineer. What do you know about health? <laughs> I'm a pharmacist. If sugar wasn't healthy, why wouldn't they tell me in pharmacy school if eight cups of caffeine weren't healthy? Like, why is everybody at the pharmacy drinking eight cups of caffeine? And every everybody I know does this and we're all healthcare professionals. So it, it did take a lot of unlearning. I, I thought I was always a very light sleeper because the littlest things would wake me up at night. Turned out I was not a light sleeper. It turned out that it was the six to eight cups of caffeine a day that were causing this. <laughs> so, surprise, surprise. Shockingly, yes, I am a very sound sleeper. And when I cut back my caffeine intake to one or two cups a day, just primarily in the morning, wow, I slept really well. And you know what? I woke up refreshed. I didn't wake up exhausted. And my body actually had the opportunity to heal. So it was little steps that I took. Every, you know, the first few years, I just, everything was like with such a skeptic's lens where I was like, oh, no way this gluten-free diet stuff is going to work. That's what they recommend. 
for this kind of person and it never actually works. It's just junk. It's voodoo science. And I saw an integrative doctor. And at the time I had irritable bowel syndrome and acid reflux and carpal tunnel. And she gave me this test for food sensitivities. I was like, my insurance covered it. I will just do it. I'm sure nothing will become of it. And then we reviewed it. And it was like gluten and dairy you're very sensitive to. I was like, I went on an elimination diet just to prove that it didn't, that it wasn't going to work. Right. (laughs) Three days in Karen, I'm like, where's my acid reflux? Like I had been taking Tums and Pepsid and all these acid blockers. And I was like, stomach is flat. And then I was like, it doesn't hurt when I eat. This is crazy. And then the carpal tunnel went away, the irritable bowel syndrome, acid reflux. Uh, After three days of just getting off of gluten and dairy. So that was the big a moment where I was like, huh, maybe there is more to like being healthy and healthcare than just giving people drugs. That yeah. Was a- yeah, the food sensitivity test, you bring back memories because the first testing I started with was hormonal. And of course, all my tests had in mainstream medicine were quote unquote normal. And then when I did the right test and read them the right way, I was hypothyroid, I had low progesterone, I had low testosterone. I had all these things. So I started addressing that and I started feeling better. I had stage three adrenal fatigue. It was like a flat line at the bottom of the graph. And that helped a lot. But I remember when I did the food sensitivity test and I came back sensitive probably to half of the foods on there, including gluten and dairy. And I said, first off, what am I going to eat? I was so afraid to eat anything because I said, everything I eat is on here. But so I didn't eat anything for two weeks. And then I said, okay, let me figure this out. Then I got all these food allergy cookbooks and I did it. And it literally was like someone popped a balloon because I weighed 243 pounds at the time. And the weight just started coming off and my energy just started going up and my gut started healing. And I, I had gastritis and that went away and the irritable bowel and same thing. Like, what's wrong with my stomach? It's so quiet. And so I really relate. And still in mainstream medicine, they poo this idea of food sensitivities. They say, if you don't have an IgE wheel sensitivity to an injection, you're not allergic. So I want everyone to hear the two doctors here who had a different experience. (laughs) So the journey to really accepting it was one of a process for you as well. It was a complete process. And I feel like almost every step was a bit deeper of a process. The The next mm-hmm. step was that adrenal fatigue. And I had heard that term from like the integrative doctors and I saw it online and it, it was like, it doesn't exist. You don't actually have it. It's a quack diagnosis. And I remember going to my compounding pharmacist who mentioned that I had adrenal fatigue based on the symptoms. I was still tired. I was anxious. I was having trouble waking up in the morning. And a lot of my digestive symptoms improved, but they, then I still had some struggles there. And finally, I don't know if he was maybe just the 20th person that had mentioned it, or maybe it was just <laughs> the right messenger that I listened. And I was like, fine, I'll just do the test. And then I was like, then I'll just take the treatments that are recommended. And again, it was one of those big changes in my life where I was like, I did this test that's considered experimental. It was the adrenal saliva test. It came up that I had very low cortisol throughout the day. And then I used methods to balance that out. And wow, my goodness, like I had more energy throughout the day and I was less anxious and I was sleeping better. My body was was healing and building muscle. And it's just, 
incredible what happens when it's just still, it's 10 years that, 10 years plus that I did this and I wrote a book about adrenals and I'm still getting messages from people that it, like adrenal fatigue doesn't exist or adrenal dysfunction doesn't exist. And, and it's just, this actually does happen. We have tests to show what happens and we have ways to help support this and make this better. It's just amazing how people can be, I guess, resistant to it. Can you help everyone understand? Because I think still a lot of people say, oh, no, if it were legit, my doctor would have told me, my $30 HMO copay doctor. Why? (laughs) Can you help them understand why that's not happening? In my opinion, I feel like doctors go through so much training and they go through they have to learn how to do surgery. They have to learn about every single rare condition out there that they become very well-versed in a lot of different topics, right? And so they have to have this huge knowledge database and then they go through residency and they then they go to see patients in a traditional HMO setting. They're seeing, I don't know, 12 patients an hour sometimes. It's a lot of people and you only have a few minutes to spend with each person. And at a certain point, like you can't go that deep into a condition. So you end up really looking at what is the most, I guess, convenient, what's the easiest thing to give. My training and experience is in public health. So looking at interventions, like what is like dollar per dollar, it's going to be drugs that are the, the fastest thing you can do is write a prescription for somebody and give them a solution. Versus if let's say somebody was struggling with their sleep, should you give them an Ambien or could you walk them through the whole potential lifestyle modifications that they could utilize, how to change their diet, what kind of supplements to offer them, and are there potential causes of sleep issues such as blood sugar dysregulation? What What's going to, I guess, give you faster results? It's Oftentimes it's like a pill, but it's not a root cause approach. And then just the continuing education component. I've been out of pharmacy school since 2006. So many new classes of drugs have come out since then, right? Um, So true. So many articles have come out on lifestyle change as well. It's hard for somebody, the average practitioner, to keep up with all of that, I think. I know I had this wonderful internist, and he thought that H. pylori was a surgical disease because that's what he learned. Right. And I was, I remember being in pharmacy school and learning that it was caused, or I'm sorry, that ulcers were a surgical disease. Right. And he wasn't aware that they were often caused by H. pylori. And this was like a big kind of finding during pharmacy school that we were learning about this. And he was in his sixties and he didn't get that memo. Right. So there's just different nuances like that because there's so much more innovation coming out on a daily basis. And it's hard Mm -hmm. for the average practitioner to keep up with it unless they specialize in it. And a lot of them just don't have that time when they're expected to see so many patients. I think every, everyone that I've been to pretty much has meant well and was trying to help the best that they could. But what do you think? What is your take on it? I I feel like everybody's always a person and everybody tries, but it's hard to know everything. We're not taught any root cause resolution issues. We're not taught about adrenal fatigue. And I think basically if there isn't a drug to treat it or a surgery, we're not taught about it. It's not the paradigm of corporate medicine. It's what's the diagnosis? What drug do I give? What surgery do I do? And salivary cortisol testing is not a thing. And if you ask any mainstream doctor, they'll say that's not a thing because they're not, we weren't taught it. Thank goodness there are people like you, unfortunately, we had to, and me, who had to go through pain to figure it out. 
But if you're listening, I'm glad you're here because then you're going to learn some things that you can use in your life. And these things don't require drugs or surgery. That's the beauty of it. So you can read Dr. Isabella's book and you can follow her protocols and you can fix this for yourself. I think it's very empowered medicine to do the thing. I say, do all the things. So let's dive into what your adrenal protocol involves? How, if you can give someone kind of the high degree overview. Absolutely. So my focus is really on sending safety to the body and making the body feel nourished and balanced. A lot of times when people are in this adrenal dysfunction state, they're the ones that are having trouble with unrefreshing sleep. They have trouble waking up in the morning. They feel anxious, have low energy throughout the day. They might feel irritable, they might have trouble falling asleep. Sometimes they'll have issues with their pain, with libido, just kind of mood swings throughout the day. And really the focus is one of them is very nutritionally based. So we focus on balancing your blood sugar and we focus on oftentimes it's giving people more protein and fat that they're used to eating, lowering their intake of carbs. We focus on lowering intake of inflammatory foods. So we talked a lot about gluten, dairy being some of those inflammatory foods for many people. Seed oils can be very inflammatory as well. Having too much sugar, too many carbohydrates can be a problematic for people as well. So there's a solid nutrition component. And then there's also a supplemental component. So we replenish a lot of the nutrients that get depleted when people are under a lot of stress. When we get nutrient depleted, then we can't make our own neurotransmitters as well. We can't make our own hormones as well. There's a lot of things in the body that just don't happen as efficiently as they could when we're deficient in something like magnesium, vitamin C, or the B vitamins. So we really get in on those to support the body to shift into more of that. I could sleep at night and I have energy throughout the day. We focus a bit on electrolytes and mitochondrial support. Again, these are things that are commonly going to be depleted when people are under a lot of stress. And then really a big part of it is just transforming your life and have some personal growth strategies. So thinking about how we deal with stress and what are some of the things that trigger us and how to change our relationships so we can find ourselves a bit more balanced with our mood. And then we end up sleeping better, having more energy throughout the day and our brain works a bit better. Yeah, can we talk about that a little more? Because so I, I read parts of your book and you talked about the initial diagnosis for Hashimoto's in 2006 and your adrenal fatigue, but then how you went through another bout of adrenal fatigue later on and really had to rearrange your life. And I think that's something that is challenging for people to grasp. They're like, I want to be better, but I want to be exactly the same as I am now, doing everything exactly the same. And I think sometimes that makes a drug or a surgery sound very appealing. But what a lot of people don't get with an adrenal fatigue is it requires you. It is your body talking to you saying, I can't keep living the way that I'm living. So what was that process like for you? And how did you make changes and come to terms with that? So the first time I went through adrenal fatigue was on my healing journey with Hashimoto's. And at the time I focused on very kind of traditional, traditional integrative medicine, I guess, approaches where I utilized 
hormones and adrenal adaptogens. I decommitted a lot of things. I slept a lot and just was able to really transform my life as a woman in her 20s without children can do. <laughs> and right. then the next bout I had was actually as a new mom in my mid-30s with a beautiful baby that, as a lot of babies do, didn't sleep very well at night. One of the fastest ways to get into adrenal dysfunction is through sleep deprivation, right? And so one of my big rec recommendations used to be for people to try to sleep for 10 to 12 hours a night for 30 days straight. And that can actually be a great way to heal the adrenals and come back from that burnout. Now, this wasn't really an option for me while taking care of a newborn. So, and I couldn't really decommit from having a child. Like I had already committed to having a child and all of these things. And I also couldn't take hormones because I was nursing. So I had to come up with some additional strategies to really send the body safety signals getting more sleep wasn't really as big of an option and neither was taking hormones and some of the intensive lifestyle changes weren't. Like I used to recommend quitting caffeine altogether where I was like, I really need my caffeine these days. And so mm -hmm. I came up with a protocol that really focused in on utilizing some of these signals like natural light. So getting up in the morning, even though I was tired, I would try to get some sunshine this does help your cortisol production naturally. You could do that with using hormones like hydrocortisone, or you could use pregnenolone to boost up your cortisol in the morning or licorice, right? You could do it that way, but you can also do it with sunshine and bright light exposure. So I, I went with a bright light exposure route and that was mm -hmm. really cool. And then I utilized a lot of the mitochondrial support and electrolytes, especially in the morning to help to tell my body that it was like time to focus on cortisol production then. And then I really worked with adaptogens and other types of things that were usable for my lifestyle. And all that to say is I know a lot of people can be intimidated by lifestyle change and they're like, I'm never giving up my coffee. I'm just not going to do, be able to do this. Or how do I do this? I'm not living in a monastery. I can't just like meditate for 12 hours a day. I can't quit my whole life. My work brings me stress. I can't quit my job. This new approach that I developed is the adrenal transformation protocol. And I've piloted with women in my community, not necessarily new moms. And it's just a really easy to incorporate into your lifestyle approach. You're not taking a ton of supplements. You're not doing like extreme things like quitting all caffeine and you're not required to sleep 10 to 12 hours a night and go live on a beach somewhere for three years, even though that's never a bad idea. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's very much my approach I wanted to create was very doable and reasonable for today's society because there's always going to be stress in our life, in our society. And so how do we make ourselves more resilient? Yeah. And Sometimes, what are your thoughts about that you may not have to change what your life looks like and the content of your life and what you're doing, but how you're being in your life and how you're internalizing or not internalizing the stress that you encounter? That's such an important life lesson to learn. I feel at any point in your life, the sooner you can learn that, the better off you'll be. But our, it's not necessarily the stress that can overwhelm us and cause us to feel burned out and cause us to get sick from all of that burnout. It's how we perceive the stress in our lives, right? What do we make of it? And so a big part of it is transforming our relationship with that stress. Some of it may involve doing therapy or 
EMDR, things like meditation, neurofeedback, really working with our brain to make ourselves more resilient. A lot of times people will be triggered by the same things over and over where there's something that happens to them and they internalize it and it causes them so much stress that essentially takes control over them and they lose control, right? And so a big focus I have, and this is one of the advanced chapters, once we get your blood sugar in balance and once your hormones are a little bit happier, so you have a little bit more ability and space for that is we focus on identifying your triggers. What are the things that trigger you in life? And how do we change our relationship with the triggers? I know I had an example. I used to be a smoker when I was in my 20s. And every time I got mad, I would reach for a cigarette. That was my trigger. Things are going to make you mad. What can you do? Do you every time go back to that same coping strategy? No, you can develop healthier coping strategies. So let's say instead of reaching for a cigarette, maybe you took five to 10 deep breaths. That could be your new coping strategy with time. Or maybe doing something productive or doing something that's going to make you feel good every time you are triggered. So it's a matter of figuring out how to respond to day life because it's, I think some of the previous approach that I had maybe been taught was like just to make your life as little stress as possible, but then you become, you don't become as resilient and, and you don't, you can't handle the stress, even small amounts of stress if you don't work on your resilience. So a big part of it is really that. Yeah. My therapist always says, the goal is not to avoid all the triggers in life. The goal is to remove the buttons that trigger you. (laughs) So you can go through life and just let everything be the way it is and it doesn't bother you. So that's what I strive for. And I think it is more realistic because you can't just go become a monk and meditate on a mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Go on a silent retreat for six months, right? Like you can't, you can't necessarily do not everybody can do that and nor would it be beneficial for everybody to do so just being able to roll with it and i feel like it's interesting i talk to so many people and and they tell me about all the different things that bother them and having gone through this process i'm yeah i don't think that's great either but it like it doesn't have control over me right if somebody mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't cause me to lose control and get super angry i'm just like wow that person must be having a bad day i hope they feel better and then i could go on about my day versus In some cases, like a one minute interaction that was negative during your day can set somebody off to have like five bad days after that, right? Because they they start thinking negative thoughts and then they start doing negative things and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I, I haven't read the whole book and maybe you talk about it in there, but are there certain people who are predisposed to having adrenal fatigue by childhood events or a different psychology, biochemistry? Who gets affected by this? Definitely people who have a history of trauma, so adverse childhood events. Women tend to be more commonly to be affected Anybody with people-pleasing tendencies or people that don't take the time to care for themselves are going to be at higher risk. What I see a lot of is women in like the sandwich generation. So they might have younger children at home that they need to care for and elderly parents that they need to care for. That can be a time in their lives when they're just overperforming as well. And so they're under this period of intense stress where they just, the whole world is on their shoulders. These are the people that are going to be at greater risk. 
And a lot of it, I feel like does have to do with the relationship we have with ourselves and how we talk to ourselves. Are we compassionate with ourselves the way that we'd hope others would be with our loved ones? Are we listening to our body when our body tells us that it's time to rest, right? What is the inner dialogue that we have within ourselves? Are we like, push harder? You're not good enough. You need to do more. Or are we saying, wow, you've had, you've been working extra hard today. Why don't you take some time for self-care today? And why don't we sleep in a little bit longer? Yeah. I'm wondering if I can ask you about your journey with that. Cause I used to be so hard on myself. It was just like, shut down what's going on inside and take care of patients. Right. And just really had no compassion for myself. A part of my journey of healing adrenal fatigue has been giving myself the same compassion and kindness that I give to my patients. What has that journey been like for you? I think a lot of us in the healing profession, we all need that, right? So we have that caregiver burnout, caregiver fatigue, because we don't show ourselves that same amount of compassion that we do to everybody in our lives, right? And this can be very draining. For me, been the same. So I feel like I've always been a very ambitious and driven person and just wanted to do more and more and just very achievement oriented and just trying to help the whole world. That kind of a person without having some of those boundaries around what do I need to really take care of myself. And that's been a big process for me is being able to say no to a lot of things and being okay with it, being okay with, I can't help every single person and that's okay. I'm going to do my best, but I also need to preserve myself, right? Otherwise, if I burn myself out, then I'll never be able to help anybody. I remember a few years back when I was in the mastermind with you, how driven you were. And I remember you talking about a launch and I'm burn out my adrenals, and but you were like so about it. And you just now have this what much more <laughs> laissez-faire, calm, relaxed feeling about you. So I see the transformation. And I heard you talking about your adrenals um, back then. And now you just have this kind of calm Zen feeling about you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, I feel like definitely being grounded is a journey that I had to go through myself. A part of me went through this journey of just being chronically fatigued in my 20s then getting my health back and almost trying to make up for the lost time (laughs) where it was, (laughs) if I was a hormone, like I was T3 and I probably needed more reverse T3, right? Yeah, it is a journey. And I I just wanted to point that out. I hope it doesn't put you on the spot because I, I just want people listening to know that you can still do your life. It's just how you're doing it. So you're still writing books, you're still teaching, you're still helping people. But how you show up now is different. Like you're showing up for yourself first and then you're showing up differently in life. And that I think some people are scared to even venture into new territory because what am I going to have to do? What am I going to have to give up? They're afraid of change. They're afraid of what they're going to have to give up. And you don't have to give up anything, but you can shift how you're approaching what you're doing. I just wanted to point that out. Thank you for sharing it. So how would people know, I think I even skipped over this, but I think it's important. How would they identify themselves as having adrenal problems that they would want to go and read your book? Definitely anybody struggling with their anxiety, with sleep, with their energy levels. So anybody that has trouble waking up in the mornings, anybody that 
feel sluggish throughout the day. Maybe they have that kind of night owl tendency where they just feel awake in the evenings and they're not feeling their best in the mornings. This would be a good person that might benefit from some of the lifestyle changes. Anybody that has struggled with like autoimmunity and health issues, a really big part of autoimmune conditions is that adrenal dysfunction, adrenal breakdown. So it's going to be common in autoimmune thyroid disease, which I specialize in, but also other types of autoimmune conditions. People with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome are also going to, going to be very much affected with adrenal dysfunction. So this is something that can be very helpful if you're somebody that's, oh man, I just have no energy and I just feel brain fogged and tired all of the time and anxious and wired. This is a really good indication. There's some physical signs. So if you're like sensitive to bright lights, they just, you go outside and you're like, whoa, when did I become a vampire? If you have low blood pressure when you stand up or maybe you feel lightheaded when you stand up, these could also be some physical signs or craving salt could be another indication. Craving sugar. Some people crave alcohol at night because they're too wired at night and that's the only thing that helps them calm down or they might crave coffee, like lots and lots of coffee throughout the day. That's going to be another indication that their adrenal hormones are out of balance. Yeah, all the things you brought me back to when I had adrenal fatigue and I, before I knew what that was, I had this weird symptom where whenever I would get out of the car, I would get dizzy and lightheaded and I would get this thumping in my ears and I had no idea what that was. Of course, my doctor didn't either. And then I learned that's a common sign of adrenal fatigue. <laughs> So it can be weird symptoms. And it, like you mentioned, carpal tunnel. I had carpal tunnel, fibromyalgia. I, I think really if you have any health problems, you need to consider that you might have adrenal fatigue because cortisol is what doctors give when, you're, when most people are sick, antibiotics and steroids. And what are steroids but your cortisol? So if you need steroids, it means that your own cortisol isn't doing its job properly. And that's some degree of adrenal fatigue. So anybody listening, think back to, oh, is my doctor giving me steroids? I was getting steroid injections because I got bursitis in my knee, fire ant bites, all kinds of things. <laughs> so you can look back in your history. So tell everybody where they can find out more about your books, where they can find you online and interact with you and all your places that you're located. Of course, my books are on Amazon and wherever fine books are sold. Adrenal Transmission Protocol is my newest book and it's really helpful for people who are struggling with their energy and brain fog and fatigue. And then Hashimoto's Protocol is a book really targeted to Hashimoto's. That's probably one of my more popular books. And then I'm a Thyroid Pharmacist is my website and newsletter where I write about, I try to break down the root causes of different symptoms and some solutions every week for people. I do go in depth. So it's not something that you would find on like a basic website like Medscape or, or I'm sorry, like Medline where they're like sleep better and exercise more, right? So I really do go into the root causes and deep causes. And then I'm also on social media on Instagram and on Facebook too. Okay. Awesome. What's your handle on Instagram and Facebook? Instagram is Isabella Wentz PharmD. And then you can find me on Facebook under thyroid pharmacist, Dr. Isabella Wentz. Awesome. Thank you so much for your journey, for your wisdom, for 
finding the light and following it and helping others find the light. There's so many people, especially women out there suffering. I think the more of us out there showing them the way to health and vitality, the better. So I very much appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your journey and your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the world to help women heal. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to hear about what you learned today and what you're going to do to start implementing changes in your life. Maybe check out Dr. Isabella's book or one of her books. Maybe start commit to sleeping a little bit more every night for the next 30 days. I want to hear about it. Reach out on social media. And I'll see you next week. Until then, peace, love, and hormones, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I know that incredible vitality occurs for women over 40 when we learn to speak hormone and balance these vital regulators to create the health and the life that we deserve. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you'd give me a review and subscribe. It really does help this podcast out so much. You can visit thehormoneprescription.com where we have some free gifts for you. And you can sign up to have a hormone evaluation with me on the podcast to gain clarity into your personal situation. Until next time, remember, take small steps each day to balance your hormones and watch the wonderful changes in your health that begin to unfold for you. Talk to you soon.